Welcome to episode 167 of A Pint with Shawnee B. Coming to you on the 15th of December 2020, the year we all probably want to forget. Uh, we're going to be doing a slightly different podcast. Uh, the Don isn't with me today. She'll be back next time to complete her top 20 countdown and we're probably going to do a review of the year. Today, though, is a sad podcast because for the second time this year, uh, a guest, a former guest of mine has passed away. Uh, those of you who listen to the show regularly will know that Pete Dunn, the artist and musician, uh, passed in February just before all the COVID blew up. Um, and last week, Dave Buchanan, a famous legendary copywriter, illustrator, ad man from the UK, recently retired, uh, also passed with a, what I'm hearing is an aggressive form of cancer, which in true Dave Buchanan style, he seemed to have borne uh, without letting his friends know. And I think it was a shock to an awful lot of people. I didn't know Dave very well. I met him in 2018. It was February. I know it was February because it was the 60th anniversary of the Munich, Manchester United Munich air disaster. Dave and I bonded over you know, an absolute passion for Man United. And David puts my passion in the halfpenny place, as we say in Ireland. He has been a Man U fan all through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 10s. Today, uh, there was a period in his life, I think from the late 60s to the 80s, where he never missed a home game and went to most of the away games. Man U through and through. He saw all of the pain of trying to win things in the 70s through to the Fergie years where we were winning everything and now the sort of decline that the club has experienced over the past seven years since Alex Ferguson retired. I ended up going over to Dave's house to record with him on a, I remember it was a wet and dark February afternoon and I had to trek across London to where he lives with my podcasting gear and Dave welcomed me into the family home and we had never met before. And he was just this man who sort of exuded kindness and fun. And uh, his friend, Paul Burke, uh, wrote a very nice obituary article for him. I think it appeared in Campaign uh, last week. And he called him kind, decent and fun, which are, are, th are three kind of beautiful words put together and yet they have such humility, which he had. Paul Burke said that there were two people in the world, those who adored Dave Buchanan and those who never met him. I was privileged to have met him and not only met him, but even in the last two years formed a friendship where every time I went to London, we endeavoured to go out for a pint together with our mutual friend, Ben Griffiths, who I know is I'm sure is devastated as well about Dave's passing. And so I wanted to give this podcast episode over to Dave and replay my interview with him from 2018 as a memorial to him. The idea of these podcasts to me has always been that they're a record of a life lived, particularly for family members, children, grandchildren, um, and that they will form a record of what this person believed what this person's life was and we don't we don't really do that that often and so i would urge you all listening to get the story of the people in your life and and understand them more than just the day-to-day -day flim flam of of living there's there's one piece i want to play for you which after we finished our interview um I got back out. I remember I walked down the end of Dave's Road and there was a, I think it was an Indian restaurant and I went in there on my own and had a had a meal on my own. And then I got the train back across to Kensington where I was staying. And when I got back to Kensington, uh, I got this panic phone call from Dave uh, saying, oh my God, I can't believe, the, I can't believe I, I didn't mention my wife, Karen, and I didn't mention my partner, Mike Hannett. Uh, now I don't know who my Canada is, and I, I never, I've never met Karen. Uh, my sincere condolences uh, go out to both of them. But Dave said, you know, I can't let the podcast out without 
mentioning them or, you know, because they're such an important part of my life. He said, Karen knows I love her and she'll be okay. They, 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 their romance began as an office romance in one of the famous ad agencies, BMP. It was quite clear to me how much uh, and how important a rock she was in his life. Mike Hannett, again, I don't know. He's also known apparently as Tommy Omelette. But those two were in school together. Mike and Dave went to school together from when they were 11 years of age. And they worked as a team in advertising for 36 years, which is unheard of. And so I can only imagine the the pain both of those two people are feeling at Dave's passing. Anyway, Dave said, I have to meet you tomorrow. I'll come all, I'll meet you anywhere. I have to do a pickup to make sure that those two people who are so important in my life get a mention. He goes, Karen knows how much I love her, but I really need to, to reference Dave because we were talking a lot about the, the industry, as you'll hear in the podcast later. So I thought it would be just nice was to just play that little pickup where we talk about Marmite, um, uh, one of the famous campaigns that Dave worked on. So here that is. So another one of the uh, big campaigns you did in your career, which I loved, was the work for Marmite. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, well, well, to be honest, it wasn't a case of um, writing the line. I mean, that goes to the credit for that goes to Annie McLeod, Richard Flintham, myself. And, so explain uh, what it was. It was the you, you decided to tap into the love people love it or hate it. Well, basically, it was it was almost their strategy. They come up with a better strategy than, than the, the, oh, really? the okay. planner did, you know. And it was a product truth. Yeah. And I always think, you know, that's when it, that's when you believe an ad campaign is when it's telling the truth. Yeah. You know, it's things like Red Bull does give you wings, you know. Yeah. You know, Snickers does. So for does. my overseas listener, Marmite is a sort of a treacly brown breakfast spread that is very acrid in taste and it's an acquired taste and it's full of vitamin B and it's yeast-based. Those from Australia will, will, will have great similarities with Vegemite. And uh, it's, a, it's a staple of the British people which is a very loved brand. So what did you do with it? Well, basically, because it does genuinely polarise it. I mean, some people have likened it to sump oil, you know, they've not heard of that. And I'm very much in the in the hate camp. Are you? Right, so okay. it was very strange when they write stuff about loving it. I had, genuinely had to substitute Marmite and put custard in there then take the word <laughs> custard out and put Marmite back in. But no, I, I, wrote, I wrote it with... Um, with me, that's uh, Mike Hannett, um, a.k.a. Tommy Omelette, that people know him probably uh, by that name as okay. well. You've uh, been together for many years, yeah? Oh, we must have done... Well, basically, I've, I've my 37 years. Uh, 36 were with him. Right. Uh, 35 were in office. Wow. And then the last year was sitting on the corner of a table in an open plan, whatever you might call it, and yeah, don't, get me, don't get me started uh. on the... The open plan. Anyway, so we came up with that, and it was it was a joint thing basically, because because my, my my girlfriend at the time was also the the account girl on it, and she oh. used to give me the old kiss in the morning, that, and it was the it was the coffee. Breath. She's now your wife. She's now my wife. And yeah. you met and you met in the she, ad we met, agency. We, we met the ad agency. How yeah. very eighties. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got I can't, I can't 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 talk myself out of that one. No, and uh, and uh, she she used to give us the. You know, like the peck of the kiss in the morning, and she'd have a cup of coffee, and I'd go, Yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> and Mike would get the same with his girlfriend. I mean, maybe she smoked, and he was like, It's the same with so yeah, someone yeah. smokes. It is a visceral, yeah. And it's just I that quite taste. Like it, yeah. And uh, basically, we got the idea from that. So effectively, we wrote this um, ad uh, where, you know, a guy punching above his weight yeah. a little bit gets yeah. invited back to uh, the girl's flat for coffee, and uh, she nips into the kitchen, and unbeknown to him, She's done herself a cheeky little bit of marmite on a bagel. So they, they go to kiss and he's thinking, I'm in here. And then suddenly the marmite kicks in and he's a, he's a hater. Yeah. And he wretches and this beautiful girl has yeah. no idea what's going on. You know. People said that was almost like the breakthrough ad mm. in fact on that because there'd been a couple before Love and Hate, Love Hate, but that was the first one that actually started winning awards. And if I could have my time again, yeah. I wouldn't do it in the same year that Guinness had surfer. Right. <laughs> that was annoying. There was a lots, lots of silvers that Probably year, the greatest I mean? ad that was done in the last 20 years. Exactly. And I'm thinking... But also Damn. done by your company. So well, I was going to say, yeah. I, ended up, I ended up working for AMV and ended up yeah, winning yeah. Guinness for, yeah. for five years. So I got there in the end. Okay. And now we're going to do, just as I've said goodbye to you, you just yeah. go, hang on, hang on a second. I want to say one last thing. Yeah. Right. So uh, thanks for being on a pint with Shawnee B. 
Oh, listen, sorry, mate. I, I, I can't believe there's one thing that's completely slipped Go on. through the conversation. Clearly the team music's all about this, to all this, all this 37 years, basically. 36 of them I was working with Mike on it. Okay, so, right. so most of this interview's his. I mean, dear me, he was his best man. I was his best man and he was my best man. And if I didn't mention him, dear me, that's the end of it. Basically, we go back to when we were 11. We met at school and uh, we're still... Great friends today. Well, hi to Mike and thanks for looking after Dave and thank you, Dave, for being on the podcast. And I just wanted to say that no other guest in my experience has ever done that in the 144 episodes of Point Which Only Be. And uh, it's, I just felt not knowing him as well as, as all of you probably listening to this did. It just said something about the man. He was very proud of his Irish roots. His mother was a monolith from Cross Maline in County Mayo. He was, uh, his, I think his father's side were hailed from Motherwell in Scotland. And you'll hear, you, you'll just hear this life of a guy who has passions in life, is in a, addicted to Manchester United, loves advertising, um, and by all accounts was a magnificent friend to anyone who he met. So, that's all we're going to do for this week. I want this to be a podcast in memory of uh, Dave Buchanan. And before I finish, I was just thinking this morning what Dave might want me to finish on or introduce the podcast. So his interview will come up after this. This is something we talk about in the podcast. It is his favorite goal ever scored by Manchester United. Uh, rest in peace, Dave Buchanan. I will miss you, as I'm sure many, many others will, in London and all around the world. A rather weary one from Vieira. Diggs gets past Vieira, past Dixon. to another pint with Shawnee B coming to you from a cold leaving wintry North London home of my guest today I'm excited to be talking to him we've been trying to get this podcast off the ground on about three or four occasions mainly it's fallen down because of both of our loves for Man United and uh, not not scheduling our time around games I'm here interviewing Dave Buchanan who is a legendary English advertising man who's recently retired after 37 years working in the business which is 10 more years than I've done and I'm I'm very certainly happy to be, get out we'll hear we'll hear whether he is or not he's worked at some of the best agencies in in England uh, and won awards all over the world for brands such as Marmite Guinness uh, a recent winner for Maltesers which was excellent and he also has a claim to fame of relaunching the Volkswagen Beetle which if you're in advertising you'll know that was a Poison's chalice to have to pick up. And welcome you to the programme, Dave Buchanan. How are you, sir? Very good, sir. Very good. Nice to be here. Nice for us to finally get it off the ground. Fine. Our third, a, a third attempt. Good things come for those who wait. <laughs> There's a the Guinness line already. We're going to talk a little bit about advertising with uh, Dave because both of us are recently out of the business. You just left BBDO. Yeah, just before Christmas, really, yeah. After yeah, 12 yeah. years there. Yeah. Good, a good old stint. The last big thing you did was for Maltesers, which is a lovely 
How That's right, yeah. Why don't you tell uh, people about what that was about? For, for disability, really. I remember the guys coming to me and saying, um, there's this uh, competition for Channel 4, and uh, they want to, to fill up the superhumans, basically, as part of the, um, the Olympics, and they want to uh, someone to take an existing campaign, but really talk about disability. And originally, to be honest, I thought, is that a good idea? Should we really be selling chocolate on the back of disability? Mm-hmm. Is that not but a bit be very soft? careful. But tokenistic, and um, thank God they convinced me it was a good idea. Uh, I think the difficulty with it was, though, that um, when they say disabilities, where do you start? You know, it wasn't, wasn't sort of cerebral palsy or muscular dystrophy, one particular facet of it that you could really drill into and understand. But it was like, it was such a broad canvas. Where did you start? Mm. And there's only so much you can learn from the internet. And uh, what I turned to find was, I thought, I'm struggling there, guys. I really don't know enough about everything. And uh, one of the girls, um, Abby Brown, brilliant, means herself in a wheelchair, she's got sort of brittle bone condition. She said, why don't I get a few of my mates in and we'll have a chat, we'll sort of shoot the breeze a little bit and you can really get to understand how these guys work, mm. which is what we did, really. And we've got a great session together, four or five people come in, all sort of different sort of like disabilities. And we sat down and generally just talked as, as you or I are doing at this minute. And what you tend to find is like, other than their disability, they're exactly the same. Exactly. They're me and you, but they're in a wheelchair. They're me and you, but they've got muscular dystrophy. Mm. They're me and you, they've got cerebral palsy. So we just talked about what we were talking about. We talked about football, we talked about going out, we talked about sex. Mm. And suddenly the barriers break down. And that was the intent, that was the intention of the campaign, really. Mm. And in fact, one of, the, one of the ads came directly from a story that a girl was telling me. And she, she had, again, she had this sort of, sort of muscular condition where basically her muscle didn't really work. And she's good looking, and she, she had a boyfriend. And she said, generally, we were having sex and getting really into it. And she dislocated both her oh, hips. God. But she's making the noise, ow, ow, I've dislocated yeah. my hips. And he's thinking, I'm doing a grand job here, <laughs> you know. And that ended up sort of, you know, working the way around it, but that ended up mm. on the ads, and that's, that's how it all sort of started, really. It was very well awarded, and there's a link to, I'll have a link at the, at the blurb of this podcast for those who haven't seen the work, and uh, also for the, it was charity involved in it. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. If, you, if you want to get it. It was Scott, Scott was the charity. We're not going to spend a huge amount of time talking about advertising, yeah. uh, but one of the things I did want to touch with you on is just the, what you've noticed happening, particularly over the last 15, maybe 20 years, yeah. in what I would call the collapse of creativity, the rise of safety, the lowest common denominator, the, the overthink, the overuse of research, which was around in the 80s when it we was, started. But you're leaving AMV BBDO, which was for a generation probably the greatest ad agency in, in London. Just this process of killing fun, killing the way advertising sort of was done in, in, in an effort to drive to efficiency. Give me just some of your observations. Well, I, I think that, first of all... Because the guys retired recently from the business. First of all, is the only thing I miss is the people. Yeah. The people, I mean, good base. I was blessed with you to only ever work at great agencies from, from day one. And you used the word there, fun, you said, and... It used to be fun. Yeah. It genuinely did. I may mean, also say, what's it like working advertising? So it's the same as being at art college because you come up with that is, but you get paid for it. And somewhere along the line, that fun got eroded away and suddenly it became a business and fear set in and panic and yeah. you've got to do this and the mandates grew, you know, and then research took over. And suddenly you just felt as if you'd becoming part of an, an ad factory, if you like. I mean, the precious thing is ideas. I always love ideas. The most important thing. And for some reason, certainly in the recent, in the recent few last few years, there's been scant disregard for them. Yeah. They're, they're very disposable somehow. You well, know, said, oh, do, we, do another you know, one, do another one. You know, the world awaits every year, or the Brit, certainly Britain waits every year for the John Lewis commercials. That's the only thing. And they're all right. They're not yeah. amazing. But, you know, that's the only real one that people wait for that is newsworthy. You don't see stuff on television anymore like you used to. It's like, that's mm-hmm. great. I wish I'd done that. Well, it's, it's funny. One, I remember saying to someone not that long ago, really, did you miss it? And I said, not, not at all, really. And I said, the reason being, I went into it in the first place when I was at college. Because people at the time, like this was the late 70s, early 80s, people used to say then that... that the ads were better than the programmes yeah. that were on the TV. In many cases they were. And, and you look forward to them, mm-hmm. you know. And nowadays, people actively pay 
not to watch ads. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll subscribe to Netflix, no ads. Yeah. I'll block them on my phone. Yeah. Don't want to see them. I mean, technology is great up to a point, but I mean, honestly, I was, I took my lad to, um, to Lisbon for, for the football, went to yeah. Benfica game. So I was looking at hotels in Lisbon. Yeah. I'm still getting bing, one I hotel in Lisbon. No, I've been. Yeah. I, I remember putting something when I was living in America on my, I, I bought a new set of car tires. And for the next 18 months, I was bombarded with car tire ads. With car tires. I've got the tires now, thanks. Exactly. <laughs> thanks very much. Well, if they were clever, they'd bombard me four years later. Yeah, I think if you, if you worked it out yeah. and you got yeah. a lifespan of, then that's yeah. clever. Yeah. So, so I don't know what it is. I think, I think also, I do, I do worry for the guys in it now in the fact that a lot of them are getting bled to death, basically. Yeah. The, the, the demands on the creative department now, certainly the one I left, you know, I love them to bits, and they were just getting battered. It was yeah. like, there seems to be not enough such, not enough time to do anything yeah. properly. Yeah. Technology is partly to blame that because yeah. everything can be done faster. Yeah. Everything's wanted now. And plus, in the, in the new age of the social media and God knows what, the, the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Instagrams, they yeah. want all the colours and all the sizes instantly. Yeah. And what gets sacrificed is no thinking time. I had done I had done some writing maybe 15, 20 years ago when I was in Australia about what the future of technology would hold around the time HD was coming out, like you know, before yeah, 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 the internet, yeah. before Google. I was making you know, you're making predictions as a futures, which is a funny business to be in now because any futures you can just go, Oh, what did he say about last year? <laughs> you can call up. <laughs> any minute now it is yeah. terrifying. <laughs> but terrifying. I, I found some of the articles one of the things I did predict, which hasn't, and I don't think is going to happen, I did predict there might be a creative renaissance because I felt that with this thing you talked about, about shutting out advertisers or excommunicating them, as I called it, because their work is so shit and demeaning yeah. and kind of treats me like an imbecile, that that could take hold to the point where, you know, if we both follow football, if Gillette suddenly got voted off my where I watch my football yeah. as an advertiser, then Gillette would go to... BBDO or Grey, wherever the hell they are now, and say, this is not good enough, our work needs to be more creative. It hasn't happened. And I thought it, that that was the only chink that I could have seen where it might have Well, no, but I mean, but the, thing, the thing is, I mean, obviously people would say, now, okay, but that's the creative challenge to get around that. Yeah. But the problem, you know, all along is, is everything's too safe now. Everything's so mm-hmm. generic. Everything's global. I mean, I mean, I was working on a salty snack brand recently, yeah. and it was like, well, that doesn't work in Turkey or Canada. That doesn't work in Mexico. That doesn't work in South America. Well, what does work then? And it's picture of the pack. <laughs> in the end, it's called something else. I know, and even in the end, yeah. oh well, it's it's got a different name in that country, yeah. and the actual product's different in that country. Yeah. So where where do you go? It's an interesting you know, analogy of globalization, though. You know, and it's like, and, and on the other hand, you know, when you look at the, the careers that we were in, you look over your shoulder and you see technology. And you see all the stuff that's happening at breakneck speed, which yes. is going unchecked. Yeah. But but you know you, you see some. I don't know whether you've seen that TV series Westworld that came out, which is um, a whole theme park full of robots that look like humans that you can just yeah. go there oh, and well, shoot. I, I remember I remember the film with Gil Brenner. That's yeah, I yeah, yeah. That, that thing is exactly the same. The danger is there's artificial intelligence. It's great up to a point. Yeah. But there's nothing like being able to speak to someone in their own language on their own terms, yeah. rather than you know, try, try and one homogenous piece of work that is pretty much ineffective yeah. in every country that it runs in, mm. although seemingly cost-effective to the client. Yeah. Well, the yeah. algorithm world is more about did the thing get to the place rather than what the message was? And exactly. What did the person who got it think? And what, you know, and I, there's brands out there that just annoy well, that, the shit that, out of me. Like, well, oh, that's why it's a, it's, it's a click. They don't yeah. want a click now, basically. Yeah. I was reading somewhere quite recently, they're saying that, you know, is data the new oil? God, I hope not. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't mean anything. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, what you think about the future of the world later towards the end. But what, go back just to get some feeling from where you came from. You, you're Mank-born, because I know you follow Mank and Money and Outbound. Before we pressed... Uh, before we press record, you, uh, you, you, I was asking if Buchanan was a Scottish name, so you had a little story. It is, for, it is a Scottish name, your, yeah, what, what were your origins and where were you brought? Well, basically, oh God, uh, well, basically, Buchanan comes from uh, my great-grandfather, who was a butcher in Motherwell. Got my own title, which is a bit garish, uh, but I'm very proud of that. But to be honest, um, I'm more Irish than anything, because oh, really? my mum's from, uh, well, God bless her, so... She was from County Mayo. Okay. What was her surname? She, she was a she was a Monolly, 
Uh, from Crossmalina in County yeah. Mayo. Learned to swim in Lockcom. Wow. Also got some sort of terrible skin rust. Wild out there, right? Oh, absolutely. I've also got some terrible skin rust because the cattle also swim in that particular uh, night, you know. Yeah. She came over in the in the 50s uh, to work as a nurse in Manchester. Met me dad, who was an engineer and fitted at ICI. And uh, I popped out and ran about 9.55 sometime, you know. Good Catholic upbringing, you know. Yeah, same. You know, yeah. absolutely. You know, <laughs> Saturday As morning. I say, I no longer believe in the teachings of Cathol, but... Uh, well, yes. not right. I, I, put, I put myself down as an RC, more of a retired Catholic than a Roman Catholic, you know. Yeah. Was Manchester, you know, in the, in the, in the 60s, uh, fun? Was it fun growing up there? Did you have a well, happy Well, I, I, I remember having a great time. You know, generally having a great time. You go, you go out with me mates or we'd run on the bike and that. And, and the thing is, it was safe because there were no cars. I genuinely yeah. remember one, one morning going, what are we going to do now? Obviously, you know, pre-PlayStation, and none of that, yeah. you know, you had to think of something to do. And honestly, I remember going out, we went car spotting. Brilliant. Jesus, you wouldn't do that. Because, oh, there's <laughs> a car. Just go out and you go down and write our, our version of transport. Yeah, amazing. So it was, it was like, but it's anyway, I, I was literally brought up in a two up, two down house with a backyard, outside toilet. I tell, them, I tell my boys today, and this, you know, I'd, I'd nip out to the loo right, and I said, what's he doing? I was going to... And you, you, genuinely, you have to take a candle. This sounds yeah. like a dark game, but this is this spiders. Is and I, I found this great game where you could singe the legs on a spider with a candle. <laughs> I was gone for like, what's he still in that toilet? What's he doing in there? You know. But that was, it was brilliant. Yeah, I was really happy childhood. And again, so would you been even with with that sort of setup? Was that would have still been middle class? Would it was upper? Oh no, no, lower, no, lower middle class. Oh, listen, listen. We, we were like we 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 were even on the council list. We rented our house right. from Mr. Horsley, who came round and collected the rent every other right. Thursday. Yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. I mean, yeah. we got on the council when I was about 14, you know, and he's like, yeah, hey, we're on a, finally we're in a council house. Yeah, yeah. Inside toilet, you know, that yeah. sort of, it was quite that. But, but it was sort of, because everyone else was like that, you know, Our Lady of Grace, Roman Catholics, good for boys and girls. Yeah. Pretty much we're all the same. We're very, very working class Irish immigrant, you know, he's got his dad sort of background. And talk know. about the love of football. Well, the first, well, basically, that's, what day were you? It was tomorrow, wasn't it? Yeah. The, uh, the 60th anniversary of the Munich yeah. aircraft. So I'd have been obviously not aware. I was two and a half at the time when yeah. that happened. But I remember starting school when I was four. The first question you got asked by these 11-year-olds who towered above you. Red or blue. Who do you support? And at the time, basically, even though the part of Manchester, but the bit of Manchester was next to Salford. So it's a very red area anyway. Right? Yeah. And, you know, you cop on very quickly. Basically, if you said Man United, you got a game of football. If you said Man City, you got a slap. Yeah. I'm Man United. Yeah. So the age of four. Because there was a kind of Catholic element to Man United. With, with Matt yeah. Busby. With Matt Busby. You know, yeah. I mean, Matt Busby used to go to um, the Irish club that I used to go yeah. to. You know, when I was old enough to drink that, of course, you know. Yeah. But so it was, it was a massive influence on my life. Because basically, For those listening who don't know anything about the history of Man United, uh, what Dave was referring to was that in 1958, in February, coming back from a European tie in Germany, um, their plane was uh, were crashed on a snowy runway and uh, the team was decimated and some journalists and the club had to rebuild from scratch and the, the, the manager, Matt Busby, almost died but didn't. And he built a, a team from youths of the team and they became known as the Busby Babes. Suddenly there was George Best and a whole pile of others in the 60s and they won the European Cup. So there's a very rich heritage and I'm a Manchester United fan as well. So yeah. I'm, I'm just love to hear your thoughts as a pure mank about where the football world has gone as you've as you've grown with it over the years. No. Well, like your first memories would have been that best love. Oh, listen, the, 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 it's, it's almost what my one regret I wasn't that much of because basically I was brought up on best law in Chelsea. Yeah. And the thing with that is, it's like you've got three European footballers of the year yeah. in the same team at the same time. I think it's happened once since with Milan, I think, when they had okay. Cliver, Van Basten and, and the, Hullet, I think yeah. it was, you know. But I thought it was normal. <laughs> Watching this young 22-year-old George was skip past people yeah. like, you know, keep you up with them. I think I'm thinking that's normal. Yeah. The whole thing was, we, we played football for the school on a Saturday morning. Yeah, were you handy? Oh, I got as far as Manchester Midfield, Warriors, yeah, like, North, I played for North Manchester in the end. Winger to centre forward, okay, and, right. and then my knees were at 16, cruise ship ligament, and the time they couldn't fix it. So you, were you possibly no, I mean, the, the possible thing, maybe? The, the thing is, you... Could have played for Preston. Rochdale, <laughs> don't know what they missed. Now, the thing is, it's one of these you never quite know. The ladder was my winger for that for those five years. Went on plays, played for Bolton and for Man City. Played for the Republic a couple of times. 
guy called Mike Walsh. Mike Walsh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I yeah, played, yeah. we played on the same team as him for, yeah. for five years. And it was funny, it was interesting, because I remember so there was, I was on holiday and there was a mate of mine and he was saying that he's reading, um, he's doing business studies, he's reading Richard Branson's book and apparently Richard Branson was a, quite a tasty footballer. Was he? I didn't know that. And had a serious knee injury. Yeah. So, because he couldn't play football, he ends up doing a student magazine and the rest as they say. Well, now using my virginity book, Richard Branson's the prick because he's so good at everything. But he, he uh, there's a story in it where he was on a boat, a yacht, when he was about 19 or 20 and he just yeah. set up the magazine. And he was out and they were out and a big huge storm brewed up. They were like a mile or two from the shore and the, the, the whole thing started going to the point where yeah. the boat was going to go over. And Branson said to his girlfriend, we're going to go and swim for it. And the captain said, no, you stay on the boat. That's the way he's, he's fuck, this boat's going down. I'm, I'm drifting further out to see we're going to swim for it. And he jumped overboard and swam for it and got to shore and the boat sank and everyone died in it. See, that was his stuff, you see. But the, but the thing was, it was a crossroads moment because I'm thinking like, you know, if Branson hadn't done his knee went to, and went on to be a footballer, yeah. we wouldn't have the Virgin Empire. You know, it's, it's, it's a crossroad yeah. moment, you know. But no, football, football was a massive part of my life, you know. Yeah. That's why I haven't got any knees left, basically. Yeah. I've got no counters in either knee now because of all the football I'm getting, yeah. I'm paying the bill now but I think what, what changed the football a hell of a lot was after after Hillsborough obviously we went to All Caesar Stadium that standing together on the terrace there was nothing like it you know even Stratford and Rice stood for, for God knows how many before they turned into seats that's where the atmosphere has gone I think mm-hmm. a little bit you know and I think that, that's the big change and obviously the prawn sandwiches that, that, that Roy Keane famously yeah. quoted but also the racism as well, which we're talking not long after Cyril Regis has passed oh. away. Did you not, you know, well, listen, I, it was, what was quite strange is I remember, look, I mean, one of the greatest games I ever saw at Old Trafford, that's is when West Brom came to beat Man United and they beat 5-3 on yeah, a quite a snowy day. It was great. I was there. And I thought, what I'll do, I'll have a look and see what it's like. I remember there's a crack, some cracking goals in there. Mm. And Gerald Simsard, I think, was the commentator then. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it, but they were booing Laurie Cunningham yeah. on this more booing of the black place. And I, honestly, I don't recollect that at all. Mm. But that was obviously the norm. And, it, and even at the end of the game, which is quite astonishing, really, they, they decided that they couldn't name a man of the match. So they thought, well, they'll ask their managers. And Ron Atkinson, God bless him, he put his foot in it. He says, well, I'd have to give it to one of our coloured players. Well, one of the black lads up front would have to get it. I'm thinking like, you couldn't say mm-hmm. that now. So well, Larry Sunning ends up playing for Maynard. He did, certainly Moses, did. who was on that team that day. And Absolutely. I remember when uh, Chelsea used to have league tables in the sheds that any black player who scored for Chelsea, for Chelsea or yeah. against them, didn't yeah. count. And well, Everton fans throwing bananas at players when they're taking well, a corner. You know, I mean, well, I mean, it, 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 you know, the way I look at it, and having lived in America for eight years, where there's still this huge racism, is you, you either know that you're meaning to be hurtful yes uh, with your words or you are yes. not and sometimes there is a grey area where you don't mean to be hurtful and you're not a hurtful type exactly. of person but someone has been hurt by yeah. your words and you got to be careful a good example is the C word which I use all the time a lot, yeah, yeah, of, yeah. A lot of women do genuinely get extremely offended by mm. it, which I think is I, I'm bizarre and I don't agree with it yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't go using the C word in front of my mother and no, in front of people who would get offended. Well, basically, again, I, I think as well with the, with the football, you know, I mean, you know, people swallow it, but children will hear that. So, look, kids go to football. I, I was a kid yeah, yeah. when football, and you will hear what they call industrial language at a yeah, football match. Yeah, yeah. You, you, just, you just will. Yeah. You know, so much when you get around that. It's, not, it's difficult to make a judgment on it, but, you know, the world, I used to do comedy when I was a kid, and it's mm. like the. When you start going after the jester and the comedian and you start saying, you can't do, you can't do, you can't do, you can't do. It's like, it's a bit like what you were saying about the Maltese. It's like, what, what is the line of disability? Yeah, when have you, you crossed know? it? When have you crossed the line? Like, you can't do rape jokes. Can you do dead baby jokes? Because people might have lost a child in the thing. Or, you know, can you do leprosy jokes? Because we don't really have leprosy anymore. And is that funny anymore? Because, you know, every piece of comedy, pretty much, is laughing at someone's misfortune. Someone needs to be the butt of the joke. And and then you go, well, okay. Also, the court jester usually ends up getting his head hacked off. Yes. Because he oversteps the bar. The king suddenly <laughs> finds that one wasn't funny. You can't this say head, that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I get that. So, so to tell me just now, you know, we're, we're on, we've gone football and we've got the advertising thing and now we've got this political correctness that we're feel, fielding oh around God. now. Yeah, yeah. You know, the world today is... You know, we talked about football has changed and how advertising has changed and now how, you know, 
what you can and can't say you've got to be careful for. Mm. Do you have any hopeful things about where we're well, at? Well, it's, it's, it's tricky. I mean, the thing is, it's always very easy to say, well, I preferred it in my day. I and mean, I'm, you know, I'm the guy who's still sort of like bemoaning the demise of the spinning jenny and the loom, you know what I mean? <laughs> the, the, the good old, you know, you knew where yeah. you were with a loom, you know. Any colour as long as it's black. Absolutely, you know. And I've, I've, I've got two teenage boys, yeah. you know, and, and they're, they're about to set off into the world. What, what scares me, I think, is, is, the, is this technology and where it's going to go and what you can do with it because we've never had more access to more stuff ever yeah. you know we've had talks from the school saying like you know I know your son's only only 13 but we, you know he's been watching pornography because they all have and then it's what sort of pornography I mean you know yeah. and you know and even this um, oh without getting on to Peter Villain stuff, but basically yeah. pre-internet yeah. how did you know that someone in Bolton or Leicester or was a paedophile yeah yeah you know, and it gives them a sort of a forum, if you like, mm-hmm. to get together. Yeah. They couldn't do that before, yeah. you know, because you didn't broadcast it. And yeah. like-minded paedophiles, yeah. please contact on this yeah. number, couldn't do it. And, it, and it's, it, that's, that's the thing that scares me more than anything. Yeah. And I think the thing is, I'm, I'm really too an optimist, always have been. And, and I think that's the main thing. Because well, The unchecked like, nature of it. I'm trying to think of examples, but, you know, something gets done that people don't question it and it happens and we all go, yeah, I suppose we have to do that. Yeah. And then five years later, we go, oh, that was not a good idea, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know, there's roads built or there's bridges that don't have the yeah, right yeah. size for trucks that are being made in Sweden, yeah. which happened in Dublin. There's also this kind of evil Bond villain kind of element to this where there could be people developing stuff that are just fucking going to be used for extreme repression of the human race. Oh, Ozymandias. This is my fear in a way because I don't know. I mean, we, we, no, we've seen, you know, what, YouTube's 12 years old, is it? Yeah. iPhone's how old? Yes, you 2008 know. was iPhone. Oh, it's totally yeah. fine. But there's this thing where, I remember, remember my mum was telling me the, um, his dad got asked to uh, set up a company, ex-military guy. And he's with four of ours, and he's this other stuff is just going to chuck away now. Why don't we utilise it? And he oh, I've just had a couple of young kids. I've got a steady job now. Mm. I'm not really in the position to, um, you know, to, to put myself at risk, basically. Okay, well, we'll set it up anyway. But all oh, the thanks. And they set up Vodafone, right? And he's thinking, yeah, that was his, you know, really? fifth Beatle moment. Like, yeah. oh. But basically, what that was, that was redundant technology. So now we'll, we'll give it to the masses so they can ring each other sort of like remotely wherever they are on the... Mm. What are they doing now? What's out there now that we don't know about? I mean, mm-hmm. if, if probably some satellite could listen in to what we, me, you, or I say. Well, they are. Hello, Russia, if you're listening. Yeah, we're looking very optimistic. And it's exactly. being translated as we speak. This is it, you see. Yeah. And it, but I mean, you know, it's like there's stuff out there now. Mm. I mean, see those heat-seeking missiles, what's all that about? Yeah. We've gone so far into the conversation, we haven't even mentioned Brexit and Trump and all that kind of stuff, oh which are almost like poster children for it. The funny thing about it is that the... Having lived eight years in America, the inherent racism I spotted and I could see it uh, very close to the surface, not just in Texas where I live, which yeah. is very race, racist and gunny. Oh, some states, yeah. And it's very overt. There's a lot of covert stuff. And when, you know, there's a, there's a very good theory that says a huge part of Trump's success and being elected is he's just a re- reaction to a black president, to having had a black president. Places like Boston and Massachusetts, where they all pretend to be very kind of cool and liberal, there's a huge underlying racism throughout the country that's starting to bubble to the surface again. I know from my black friends who've been saying this, almost the point of being, ah, it's not too bad, you're getting on okay. But they've been saying it even, you know, through the last 20 years. Well, I I are now kind of going, told you so. I I had a mate of mine, not recent, not too recent, it was in in West Virginia, I think he was. He was in a bar, a very white bar, and they were watching the... um, Basically, something in that. And uh, he said, What's the day? Oh, it's Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. Oh, okay. And you get a day off there. And then the guy said to him, Struck poker face. Shame they didn't shoot another six of those N words. Yeah. We could have had the whole week off yeah. without yeah. a trace of irony. Yeah. And suddenly he said, he said I went cold. Because, mm. you know, you hear it, you put yeah. to, phys- to actually physically experience that. You no, know, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite scary yeah. still. You know. I mean, the shithole countries remark from Trump a few months ago. I went on my Facebook and said, I'm glad not to be living in the biggest shithole country of the world, which I believe is America, because I think it should be doing so much better and is, you know. is rotting a little bit. Your views are, so you were in, you, you, you were in school what, following Man United in the 60s. You went to college then, did you? Oh, yeah. Well, that's the worst that was started, basically. I knew I was good at, I liked art and I liked English, basically, so I knew I was going to end up 
one of the two. So you yeah. look at the, you look at the prospectus at universities, and now I know why on university designers are reading English because that's here's the books you're going to read. Yeah. I, said, I, I don't want to. I want to write. I don't want yeah. to read. I want yeah. to write. So you, I think you need a grounding. He used to say that, that Picasso, all this abstract sort of stuff, yeah. was just like oh, anyone could do that. Yeah. And he was saying like there were things like some of these abstract portraits of people. And they were saying, like, take that pro- that one line of profile that's in that before it went all sort of like blue grade 3D thing. That is someone's identical profile. What it does, it gives you a grounding. Yeah. But f- with that foundation, then you build your own sort of... Otherwise, you're just recycling. Yeah. Where's your free spirit? Now, so how did you find college when you got... Were you in Manchester College? I Manchester. Well, basically, the, the polytechnics were great yeah. because they well, you did it. You actually physically did it. So I basically, I went to Manchester, loved it, did a, did a foundation course for mm-hmm. a year. Uh, ended up specialising in graphic design, and that itself was split into four categories. And I was abysmal at three of it. You know, you know <laughs> I made a huge mistake here, but because I want to fancy myself as an illustrator, and then because when you're at, when so you could school, draw as well, though, yeah. you could draw, yeah. yeah. Great. When you but when you're at school, there's four people in the art class. Mm. You know, when you when you're full of like, for, God, he's good, she's good, mine, I'm not. Okay, yeah. forget the illustration bits of it. I love good photography, a bit of a bash. Too technical. Something photography, not for me. Yeah. You know. Then we did general design, which was like honestly three days of draw. You'd spend three days drawing a straight line. And what did it for me completely? I thought I'm leaving the course. I've made a huge mistake. We got a brief for um, to design a de-icer, a de-icer cam. Yeah. And a lot of the guys just went straight up into the type room. First bit of type, look at that. A bit of slip off you go. Done. And I'm thinking, no, 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 but it's not, no, it's not, it's not an idea, Nick. Needs an idea. Needs an idea. So I, I d- designed my own can whereby you could read the ISA wherever it was on the can. But also, the D was frozen. It started to defrost till you got to the R. Great. Not frozen. So look, D ISA. So as you, I do, it's got an idea, right? Yeah. And on the Monday, I went in and it, the, the tutor held this up, held it up like he's, like he's got dumb shit on his shoe. Who was responsible for this? No. I don't know, me. Do not, and he, he crumbled it up and chucked it in the bin. He said, this is the sort of stuff I want to look at. And it was just beautifully presented with a bit of laminate round it, like all nice and painted up. Yeah. I said, yeah, but that, that's as DI on the shelf. Yeah. You, you don't know what it is. Yeah. And I'm thinking, Pot's not got an idea. But stuff like this now, you're starting to go, actually, is this where advertising is starting to raise Well, its... this is what it was. And the last term... It's a very advertising solution. Yeah, this is, this is the first year. And the last term was advertising. And I'm thinking, oh, hang on. I know I was, I was on my way out. I mean, they're either going to kick me out or I'm going to walk. And they said, well, what, what, what this is, is based on the time. It's, it's, it's words and pictures. Ooh, mm. I like English, I like art. And you get the idea. And then in the real world, someone else finishes you off. I'm thinking, that's perfect. Yes, and from bottom of the class... So I was it was that late that you kind of came to us? It, honestly, it was, it was a process of elimination. It really was. <laughs> it, really, it really was. It really was. And it almost saved my bag. And I thought, this has been sort of two years of that. And what was what was fantastic about the course, whereas all the other facets of the course, they were more academically designed to get good grades. Yeah. And then when you finish your degree, what do we do now? I don't know. This sent you down to London. Right. And we did a tour of all the agencies and yeah. you walk around. And I honestly, at the end of the week, I'm thinking... God, do we have to drink every lunchtime? <laughs> I'm not sure I can do this. Wait, you know, drawing pictures, writing, and drinking. I'm, I'm, I'm and I can't, you know, because I'm just like, I'm you know, muscles of a, a beer. I have a sniff of a drink at lunchtime. I either have to carry on or yeah, I'm asleep. I'm the same. So you either, you either yeah. in for the panic yeah. or you don't. Yeah. And, um, so, and, and what was brilliant about that, and this is why you get the placement. I mean, and this is the huge sort of about change before in the industry. Nowadays, guys to get a placement. In an agency now to get some work experience. Internships. Or oh my God, yeah. you have to, you know, you have to run the gauntlet, you have to yeah. have a year to get in. Or know somebody. Yeah. You know, and, and then they have to work for something and then see you later by and all that. Quite, quite recently, I was, one of, the, one of the sort of last things I was doing at AMV, I was, I was overlooking, uh, overseeing some stuff for Rosie Allen. Actually, yeah. she was an holiday. She's an ex, ex-guest on the point of Absolutely, yeah, lovely Rosie. And uh, it was um, an M&M's brief, basically. So they said, what we'll do, we'll give it to all our placement teams or hatching within they call them. A lot of them they seem to come from privileged backgrounds yeah. plenty of money. Yeah. There's, there's no hunger as they used to I mean, I remember the they guys, give you a lip. Oh well, listen, basically yeah. they think they know it because they've yeah. been on the been on yeah. the course. Some of these guys I'm not sure that they're bothered. Yeah. They'll do something else. Your mum has got somewhere and one of the guys it was an M and M's brief, right? And it was an M and M's brief to do I think it was a World Cup and and they had a couple of days and it okay, give us your first thoughts and load on. And one one guy, French guy, 
I'm not going to do the accents. Forget that. Uh, and he basically says, so um, so we have uh, we have red M and M and we have yellow M and M and and they're in a big luscious house because they've they've won. Okay, yeah. And then something funny happens. Quite what that is, I don't. Know. And I'm going. You were like what? Well, and something funny happens. His pants, his pants fall down. And I'm thinking, this. Sorry, Matt. Are you trying to get a job here? Yeah. Or not? You know, and if, if that had happened with Dave Trot, I mean, honestly, yeah. he'd, he'd have been out quicker than he could have, you know. But it, you know, it's, it's hard not to be kids these days about this. But like, I when I was working as a strategy guy in Asia and Australia, hmm. I used to get a lot of my friends. Oh, Sean, will you have a chat with my daughter? She wants to get into advertising. Will you meet up? My, yeah. I used to because I was that guy, and it was also hard sometimes. A lot of pricks in charge as well who wouldn't take people in. Yeah. And I always, I always said, you know, I remember being that guy and I would always make time to meet, meet these people. So half of them were coming in and they were like, you just said, they were, you know, bell ends who didn't know one end of a pencil from another. But so I ended up coming with this idea. I, I picked up uh, five books, which were, you know, Where the Suckers Moon, uh, Ogilvy on Advertising, Blink, Wonderful Folks Who Gave You Pearl Harbor. Oh, yeah, brilliant. And, brilliant. And, um, and uh, the, a planning book by John Steele. So to everybody, even if it was my sister, you've got to read those five books and do me a two-page precy on mm. each one. Come back to me with 10 pages. And if they're good and you can organize your thinking and I, they're, they're interesting yeah. to me, I will not only meet with you, I'll get you a job in advertising. Fantastic. Right? Yeah, so that's yeah, what yeah. I said. Yeah. So I was trying to separate wheat from chaff. So I gave it out about 500 times, I was about... 60 times over five years yeah. not one person did it and this was when the internet was suddenly I thought people could cop it so I, I one person did it hello Molly Hill if you're listening and one other person yeah. a, a Canadian guy did it uh, Keaton and nobody else did but as soon as they did it I was able to ring my, the head of planning and Jay and say go. hire this person or get that person yeah. a job and they all did because well, they, they listened to that story they, 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 that's because they wanted it yeah you know, and that's the only way it's back to, you know, to go back to Alex Ferguson and these, and these, yes. how do you win year after year? Because of hunger. Hunger. And you, and also, back to your college thing, you it's have to read something. Back to your foundation, yeah. you need something yeah, yeah. in which to build on. Last question before we go, what would you say to your, uh, to your, your younger self knocking about Manchester? Just looking back, one of the things I try and do here is, is get my guests to sort of pass on some wisdom back to, Oh, uh, I tell you what, I'd say don't play in that game that you played in. Did you need? I wouldn't play in that. I mean, it's tricky because the thing is, because it's such a different, it's such a different world. I mean, I'm talking about when I left college in God, nineteen seventy-eight. I mean, that's a yeah. long time ago. I mean, that was it was such an exciting time because Bill Punk had just got an exp- mm. exploded. We couldn't bury the dead. The bins weren't being taken yeah, up. There was yeah. a winter of discontent. All yeah. that. Um, very different. So, so the bright lights of London. Was hugely attractive to me mm. then, you know. Mm. But now I think I think the trick is you can spread your wings as far as you want now. Yeah. Everything's so much more accessible. The world is accessible mm. now. You know, I, I've ventured two hundred miles down the motorway. You know, I think I'd probably so go further afield. Go further afield and have a bloody good look round. But the thing is, as well, you see, because of my addiction to Man United, because I, I I didn't miss a home game for. 14, 15 years. Really? Uh, everything. Friendly yeah. is a whole shoot match. Yeah. And I remember working on my portfolio to get into advertising in 1980 on a Saturday and we played Tottenham at home and it was the first game I'd missed. I missed two at all because my mum kept me off because I didn't do my Latin homework twice. But since 1967 pretty much and I remember feeling really weird. Almost at the point of like, well, they can't kick off because I'm not there. And I think what that did, that almost inhibited me because it was my drug, basically, like yeah. home and away, the whole shoot match. Whereas now, you've got more chance of seeing every game not in this country. Mm. So I'm thinking if that technology was, that technology was, was around then. Yeah. Like, you can see more in Ireland than you can here. I was going to say, you can watch, you know, I'm going yeah. to go to New York. I'm meeting the bar, my mate on Bleaker Street at 7.30 and we watch a game. Yeah, I used to do that. Nice you know. What's your favourite Man United game? Favourite Man United game? Really, I mean, favourite three minutes... European Cup Easy, final. easy, yeah, yeah absolutely. Shit game, though. That was a rubbish game, but I do, I do remember being at that game thinking, and I, I went, to, went around Europe that year, it was bizarre, some people used to genuinely think that I had in my contract at BNP DDB at the time, I was allowed to take any time off when there was a United game in Europe. And they yeah. thought it was in my it wasn't, but it, it, it might as well have been. And I remember thinking, what a glorious, because I went to all the games in Europe that year. 
and thinking, well, it wasn't to be. It was Matt Busby's. It would have been Matt Busby's ninetieth birthday. Yeah. And I remember looking up to the stars in the in the camp near, thinking, wow, that was a blast. What a great run. Yeah. And I looked down, and Peter Schmeichler was running up for the goal. Yeah. yeah. And I'm getting tingled thinking, thinking yeah. about that. That's with the best few, but, but the best. Sharing them and then so scared. Oh. Yeah. I went for a piss after the equaliser went in, and I was peeing. And I was saying to myself, because it was six, it was six in the morning in Sydney. Yeah. Oh, That's Christ. where I was. Yeah. It's one of those, you remember where you yeah, were? Yeah, you were yeah. in the stadium. Yeah. And I remember as I was mid-pissing, you know what United would just go and do now? It'd be just like them to the next thing the lads in the room went, ah, you know, they come running in. Well, there, was, there were some of the guys who were watching it in the, in the, in the pub in, in London. They were, so, they were so drunk, basically. When the second goal in, they yeah. thought it was a replay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I think yeah. the, the, the best game by far was the Man United... Arsenal 1999 semi-final replay oh, at Villa Park. The Giggs goal. The Giggs yeah, goal. that was a the reason that be, everything. The reason being that if it wasn't for that, there would have been no trouble. And if you're a Hollywood screenwriter, you're like, okay, right, so it's the two heavyweights go head-to-head, yeah. right? Beckham scores a goal. Then Burkamp equalised, deflected off the Epstein, yeah. okay, one more. Then the captain gets sent off. Then Arsenal score a goal. They've all gone completely mad. The fans on the bits, they don't realise that the yeah. linesman's got his flag up. It's right. offside. And then in, in a time added on, Ray, Ray Powell gets brought down by Phil Neville. Right? Right. It's a penalty. Yeah. Dennis Beerkamp said they're one kick away from the final. Yeah. Smichael saves. Yeah. Extra time. The 10 men take on the 11. Then yeah. Giggs scores goal of the season. Yeah. Goal of the century. Goal of the century. Yeah. So you would probably maybe say to yourself, to your younger self, set up an AMV in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know what I did do. I thought, what I'll do, I'll design my perfect city. And I said, I know what it would be. And you've got three things. And I said, okay, I'd take, I'd take New York. Mm. I'd give it an LA climate. And I'd have Old Trafford in the where middle. Central Park is. Where Central Park is. <laughs> and that'll do me. That's a great way to leave it. David Cannon, thank you for being on a pint with Shawnee B. And the best of luck in your retirement. Oh, and I'm by the way, it's great because I got out ahead of you. Oh, you beat me <laughs> by 10 years. Good. Look after yourself. God bless you. Through the conversation. Quickly, the theme music. All, all this, all this, all this. Thirty-seven years, basically. Thirty-six of them I was working with Mike Hannett. Okay. So, right. so most of this interview is his. I mean, dear me, I was his best man and he was my best man. And if I didn't mention him, dear me, that's the end of it. Basically, we go back to when we were eleven. Excellent. We met at school, and uh, we're still great friends today.